Hello and welcome to the Investors Chronicles Personal Finance Podcast. I'm Moira O'Neill and joining me in the studio today are my colleagues Leonora Walters and Kate Bealey. In today's show we're going to look at how investors can use market falls to cut their tax bill by switching between investment funds. We'll also examine prospects for interest rates and inflation and what you should be doing with your portfolio with these factors in mind. We also have some updates on two of the Investors Chronicle's top 100 funds and also another update on the ongoing saga at Electra Private Equity. But first to this week's big theme, which is how to use fund switches to crystallise a loss. Now, market falls may provide opportunities to rebalance your portfolio in a tax-efficient way. And Leonora in the magazine has been highlighting a few of these. Um, Leonora, over to you. Could you first uh, explain a bit about the the tax advantage here that we're highlighting? Yes. Um, What I would emphasise, first of all, this is something for outside of SIPs and ISAs. And um, before you think about doing anything like this, I would urge everybody to make use of their SIP and ISA allocation. Now, some people um, are lucky enough to have enough um, savings and investments to exceed that. So if you have investments held outside of these wrappers, what you can do is sell something at a loss. If it's something you want to sell anyway and you sell it at a loss, you can carry that loss forward and um, offset it against a future capital gains tax bill, um, which is quite a nice thing to do. Now, the problem is when you sell out of that at a loss, even let's say that uh, you know if the asset is down and you think, well, maybe you know I want to reinvest, um, you can't do that within 30 days if you carry forward that loss. If you invest- so, you, so you can't go back into the same investment and within then, 30 days. And then carry forward the loss. No, you would lose that opportunity. We can, you can go back in within 30 days, but you would lose the opportunity to carry forward that loss. Now, the problem is for some people is they don't want to be out of the market for 30 days. Um, so what you could do is sell out a, a, a loss um, keep that there to offset in future years against a capital gains tax bill. Um, and in the meantime, invest in, let's say, an alternative asset. Um, so what I've done in the article is look at some potential switches where you could sell out of um, assets at a loss uh, and then reinvest in something different within 30 days. I've said a lot about the tax position, mm. but actually some of the opportunities you've highlighted um, look like pretty good switches in themselves. There are very good yes. reasons that you've, you've identified for doing the switches. Can you talk me through a couple of, of the ideas? Yes, yes. I mean, we, we set, set out quite a few. I'll, 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 just, I'll just focus on two and uh, uh, the readers can look at the magazine to see the others. The first thing I'm going to highlight is Templeton Emerging Markets Investment Trust it's not been doing well. I mean, it's historically it was great, but it's lagged behind MCI Emerging Market Index for the past five of its financial years, and it's underperformed um, this and its set average cumulatively over one, three, and five. 
Um, so analysts, you know, analysts are, are mixed, but quite a few are saying, you know, move away. And we actually dropped it from the IC top 100 funds because there's, you know, uncertainty. Um, I think the uncertainty is added to by the fact that the long-standing lead manager, Dr. Mark Mobius, quite a well-known emerging markets investor, is standing down in October, uh, whether that's a good or bad thing in view of the recent performance. But let's say it's unclear, you know, what the new team will be like. Hopefully it'll be good. We don't know. So, so a lot of yeah, people... So what, what are you going to uh, switch yeah. into? So it's done Templeton Emerging Markets switch mm. into... Genesis one? Emerging Markets, which is uh, also an, um, an investment trust. Um, and this fund, um, it's it's also managed via a bottom-up value-orientated approach. Um, its management team are quite experienced. Um, and it's also on a really wide discount to NAV of around 13%. And that's wider than its 12-month average. So it could be a good point to enter Genesis. Um, and it also outperforms Templeton. I think that's the key thing. It outperforms Templeton over one thing in five years. Um, or, or, albeit, let's say, with negative returns. But then emerging markets aren't... Um, they're not, they're not in a good place they, they, moment they, anyway. I mean, whatever so. fund you've been in, it would probably... It's well, not it's having a brilliant time. Trust, they've, they've all they uh, have indeed money. yeah um i'd say the differences is it's um it's much wider portfolio it's got about 164 investments against um 50 for templeton the, uh, there's another difference it's not so good it's got a slightly higher ongoing charge 1.45 percent as opposed to 1.22 percent for templeton but then if it performs better it may well be worth paying for that okay well that sounds like a yeah. good 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 idea to consider what about it what other um one would you like to highlight leonora well relocating to europe you know this is maybe like less fund specific this is um just a general move um that you might you know you might want to consider generally u.s markets um are expensive um there's no doubt about that they had a great time um you know they've done really well but you know valuations are expensive and a lot of analysts and commentators are saying in your developed market equity allocation why not switch from US to Europe or Japan because the valuations there are better and there's some good prospects of those markets as well um, so what you could do is let's say going back to the tax situation if you have an active US fund and you've lost money on it um, then maybe switch to something like Henderson European Focus, which we um, added to the IC Top 100 funds in the latest balancing, rebalancing. Um, and we've also recently written a tip on, so you can see more information on that on our website. Um, to give a bit of background on this fund, it's probably quite a good one at the moment because the fund, it screens for attractively value stocks and then looks for a catalyst that will drive growth and a re-rating. So it's kind of doing this all the time and this is a particularly good time to do it because Europe is potentially going to re-rate so it would be an appropriate fund to take advantage of it and it's also had a really successful track record of doing this it's among the top 10 performing um, investment association Europe ex-UK funds over five years um, and it beats a FTSE World Europe ex-UK index over over one three and five that's a good it's a good idea either so that's um, emerging markets to emerging markets and the US to Europe 
But for now, back to the US, um, where last week the US Federal Reserve decided to leave interest rates at record lows. And this this could have big ongoing implications for your portfolio. Um, Kate Bealey's been looking into this. Um, Kate, what do you think investors should be doing in an environment of continuing low interest rates? Um, well, it's it's tricky actually because when just before the Fed made this decision, all the talk was, you know, about whether rates were going to rise. And in fact, some people were saying, is this the time to be thinking about taking out inflation protection? Which seems really odd because obviously inflation is is so low. Um, but actually, some people were saying that because central banks do tend to move to raise rates to bring inflation under control and tend to raise them to get out ahead of inflation rising. Added to the fact that we've had all this QE, which you would think would drive inflation, that maybe now is is paradoxically a time to buy it. Um, so there was discussion, and I had a look at whether or not that's something that you should be doing, um, particularly as rates are going to rise at some point. I think we think more towards the end of the year. Um, so one thing to be looking at is your kind of bond, the bond area of your portfolio. Now, the bonds tend to be the most affected by by rate hikes, um, both because kind of longer dated bonds will be eroded by um, higher inflation and also it's it's harder to kind of generate income from very safe bonds in a low inflation environment. So what should you be doing? I mean, it's very difficult basically to know what to do about bonds now because no one seems to know quite where yields are going to go next. Um, Some people are saying, yes, uh, take out some very cheap inflation protection, um, but maybe something like the M&G UK Inflation Linked Corporate Bond Fund. And he uses derivatives, so um, it's kind of able to be a bit more strategic about what he and does there. That one's a member of the Investors Chronicles Top 100 Funds. It's it been is. in there for a while, so it's one to check out if you haven't come across it before. Yeah, and others talking about inflation protection were saying, actually, just look at a strategic bond fund where you don't need to be making the choice between um, shorter dated bonds, longer dated, inflation linked or not, because the fund manager will do it for you. And we've got some recommendations in the article. Um, But following on from the Fed decision, um, the two areas that I think you need to be thinking about in your portfolio are bonds and also emerging markets. I've talked a bit about buying bonds are affected, but emerging markets are also very affected by any U.S. rate hike. And that's partly because emerging markets have U.S. denominated debt. So they're affected when rates go up, but also because when rates go up in the U.S., money tends to pour out of emerging markets back into the U.S. So there's a lot of kind of capital flight there and things suffer. Um, In terms of what you should do, obviously, selling out... um, in panic is is not the right thing to do. Um, But it might be worth just kind of having a look at what you hold and then checking your diversified. Um, And then in terms of bonds, I think, again, um, remaining diversified and maybe having a look at strategic bond funds if you're if you're worried about what you hold. And that whole area of emerging markets is is quite crucial, really, because we see a lot of um, uh, portfolios in the portfolio clinic section that have quite high weightings to emerging mm. markets because they feel it's a real growth area for their portfolio. And really, you've got to consider um, that as a very high risk um, portion of your portfolio and think about whether you're comfortable with that risk, particularly in the light of interest rates potentially going up at some point and having an impact mm. there. I mean, it's, it's interesting, actually, because I, I think 
um, a lot of commentators were saying that the emerging markets they will be hit all all at once if this happens and and like in the part in 2013 when there was this taper tantrum and everything fell but actually there are a lot of um, fundamentals about some of these emerging markets which do look very different to two years ago I mean a lot of a lot of countries have really reduced the amount of dollar denominated debt they hold which means that they will be less at risk and there are some contrarian managers saying there are value opportunities in emerging markets so we're, getting a, so we're getting a lot of mixed messages yeah. here. Um, yeah. The question is to um, uh, get your own view, I suppose, and, and, and check your, your portfolio. Thanks, Kate. Um, now, on the subject of um, top 100 funds, um, this week we've caught up with two fund managers. Um, one, one is the manager of Artemis Global Income Fund, who Leonora went to meet. And also, um, if you're interested, there's a video interview with um, the manager on our website. So, Leonora, how is, how is he put, positioning his portfolio for global income? Well, he's, um, he's really keen on Europe. Um, which is quite interesting because we were just talking about switches US to Europe. Um, Mr. Dutuschlik, uh is previously bought on market dips on the basis that monetary stimulus will continue to push things higher. Um, and I think a, a result of that is the Europe Overweightiness Fund, where the European Central Bank is continuing to do monetary stimulus and uh, may even push it out beyond next year. So he's got um, quite a large allocation there. Now, some of the things he likes about Europe is the fact that you don't pay as much for quality there. And he says there are some small pockets of value and interesting themes. Now, these themes include infrastructure. So the fund holds a Spanish-listed company called Ferrovial, um, which has four business lines, services, toll roads, construction and airports. And it actually owns quite a few airports in Britain. Um, now, another infrastructure-style stock he holds is um, an Italian telecoms and uh, holdings company called Raiway. It's not strictly a telecoms. It runs the um, broadcasting network and uh, the, the signal transmissions um, in Italy for, for, for Rai, which is a, a, big, a big broadcaster there. Um, now, what Mr. Tushik says about this, he said this company and others are very defensive and they've got very long-term contracts, which is great um, and obviously very nice for income. But the downside to these is that there's not much growth. Um, and he says it's actually very hard to find high-yielding, safe assets that are also growing at a decent valuation at the moment. So he's, he's, he, it's very timely uh, interview piece looking at things globally and his, his enthusiasm for Europe is, uh, is very interesting and if you haven't read the piece or seen the video, go and, go and take a look. It's, that's Artemis Global Income Fund. Um, now in this week's magazine we also feature a Shares I Love article uh, in which we have Neil Woodford um, who's a star manager in the UK equity income space. And he's the manager of a fund called CF Woodford Equity Income. Leonora, which company did um, Mr Woodford pick out for, the, for this feature? Right, well, he um, he's recently bought a US healthcare company called ABV. Um, what Mr Woodford did in August, um, unlike the manager just interviewed, was actually buy the dips and... Um, he took advantage of lower share price to add to existing holdings 
But he also introduced a couple of new ones. And uh, one of these was this healthcare company, AbbVie. Um, it's a global company, although it's listed in the US. And it discovers and develops therapies to address assorted diseases um and it's um its core focus is or well are uh, a few things um immunology kidney di- disease liver disease neuroscience oncology and women's health now the attraction of this um company is that it trades on what mr woodford says is one of the most attractive valuations in its sector despite also offering one of the fastest anticipated growth rates um, and he um, he's now got a, a 0.23% um, exposure to it in um, CF Woodford so Equity. So a t- tiny portion of his portfolio, it is, isn't yeah. it? But it does sound like it quite an interesting story. Yeah. Um, now, um, Leonore, you've also looked this week at uh, activist investor Sherborne Investors, who, which is making a second attempt to appoint directors to the board of Electra Private Equity Trust. Um, what what is the the new the new story here? What are they doing? Well, Sherborne last year um, tried to get its directors onto Electra's board, this, and uh, this is October twenty fourteen, and shareholders voted against it. Now, just for a bit of background, Sherborne is um, it's an investment company. It's an activist investor led by a person called Edward Bramson, and they really well known in the UK for taking over FNC Asset Management in 2011 and they appointed Edward Branson, I think, chairman um, and they, you know, they totally overhauled the company. It's now been rolled into Canadian companies, been delisted. So, you know, really quite a lot of action and they are well known for kind of marching into companies and totally overturning them. Now, um, Last year, they, they got turned down. They, they they keep alleging that, you know, Electra's expensive, it's not doing well, which a lot of people think is a bit unusual because Electra actually has one of the strongest performance record among private equity investment trusts. Um, and if you look at, say, like numbers today, you'll see it beats virtually every private equity investment trust over one, three and five years both in terms of its share price and net asset value. Um, I think it was one or two maybe do do slightly better. But, you know, it's got a stunning performance record. Um, what Sherborne says is that um, it has to do this because um, after it got knocked back, it continued to negotiate, um, trying to get place on the board because it's quite a large shareholder, but got refused. And it also says that recent changes to the trust's portfolio and capital structure have increased the investment trust risks, and it says there's scope to improve corporate governance, um, and um, its operating performance or investments offer a valuable opportunity for improvement. Now, the thing is, those are very vague uh, kind of suggestions, and I think that's the whole point. It's not actually said anything beyond this, um, so it's kind of made these sort of vague accusations, but nothing's come yet. But Electra has said, if you're a shareholder in Electra, it is writing to you and it will set out things in greater detail. So uh, I think more to come there. I think the interesting point is, though, um, last year, Sherborn owned 20% of shares. Now it owns 30% of shares. So when Electra does call a meeting, which it has to, um, in, in view of Sherborn's size as a shareholder, um, a vote to get Edward Branson and colleague Ian Brindle onto the board will be a lot closer. So it's not um, a foregone con- conclusion, let's say, that um, they will lose the vote. 
Okay, so it's a story that to mm. watch and one we'll keep uh, updating you on as we have done over the past year or so. Um, now, I'm afraid that's all we have time to de- for today. So thank you to Leonora Walters and Kate Bealey of the Investors Chronicle. Uh, you can read more ideas for fund switches, also about interest rates and the IC's top 100 funds that we've mentioned in this week's issue of Investors Chronicle. Thank you for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.